How's everybody doing? Doing good? So glad you are here today. Welcome to New Hope Church. If you're a guest, uh, it's that time of the year we have lots of guests. Uh, if you are a guest, we're just thrilled that you would come and spend some time with us today. Uh, my name is Benji. We, uh, we have a church. There's one church in many, many locations, 10 to be exact. And so I want to give a warm shout out and a welcome to our peeps down in Columbia, South Carolina, my home state. We love you guys. They're entering into a new season today with Pastor Jesse and just great things are happening there. Hillsboro campus, Sanford campus. Yeah, I like it. Like it, like it, like Wake Forest. Keep it going. Garner, North Durham, Fika Town, Kenya, Kajongo, Kenya, Online Church, and the Durham campus, which now meets on Sundays and Monday. So if you are watching online and uh, we want to invite you out tomorrow night, 5.30 for a tailgate party and 6.30 worship begins. If you're here and you kind of forgot, but you were planning on Monday, no worry. Uh, you, can, you can, I'll probably pray in a moment. And when I pray and we close our eyes, you just slip on out, head to the door and come on back tomorrow night. Or you just come on back tomorrow night. Less traffic jams on Monday night. Uh, an intimate, more chill vibe to the music. Uh, we're going to have Holy Communion more often on Monday nights. It's just going to be a different of smaller crowds. Maybe you don't like the big crowd. So listen, Monday night, tomorrow night, and it goes on from here on out every single Monday. Speaking of uh, global stuff, tonight we have the fall kickoff. The fall kickoff for our, for our student ministries. All the campuses are descending upon this campus. And if you were here last Sunday, you know the craziness got me to do something crazy. And so I declared to them that if they have 550 students here tonight because they double dog dared me to jump out of an airplane... I told them last week that if they have 550 students here, I will jump out of an airplane and skydive. And I'm just going to be a prophet. I don't think they're going to hit it. And so therefore, my feet are staying on planet earth, firmly fitted in the gospel of peace, Ephesians 6, where they belong. Can I get an Amen. But if they do hit it, I will, I will be jumping out of an airplane, and uh, I am not looking forward to it. Hey, um, I, I want to tell you what I've come to believe. I've come to believe there are two kinds of people. I'm broad stroking for just a moment, but there are two kinds of people when it comes to the subject matter that we're talking about in this series. The series title is what? God Speaks. Learning to hear his voice. I dare say one of the most important series we will do this year, next year, maybe one of the most important series we will ever do, God Speaks, Learning to Hear His Voice. And as I think about this topic, I've come to believe that there are two broad groups of people. The first group, let's say it's you folks over here. The first group of people are those who go to church but they tend to go to church because of the aesthetics, the environments, um, the sacredness of going to church. They get around religious things and they just kind of like how it makes them feel. 
It, it's kind of like a person who benefits from therapy, and I don't have anything against therapy. Like, I, man, if you need it, go for it. I've done some therapy, not ashamed of it. But it's kind of like what a person does when they enjoy therapy. It's kind of the cathartic release of their emotions and feelings. And so there's a big group of Christians that kind of like church for that reason. They don't pray a lot. And if they do, the prayer is a monologue. Like, like that, that person, maybe, maybe this is some of you, that person would never say, you know what God said to me the other day. They just don't think like that. They, they go for other reasons. They're maybe a little more reserved and they're like, you know what? Uh, I don't ever hear from God and I'm okay with that because I like how the church just kind of makes me feel. And I'll pray to God every now and then, but I don't ever think that God is going to <clears throat> clear his throat and give me a word. That's, that's one group. As I've been in and out of churches and speaking at different events, I, I come across those kinds of Christians. There's another group of Christians, and, and, and let's say they're, you, they're you, you folks over here, all right? There's, there's another large group of Christians, and um, they believe God speaks to them about everything. <laughs> Have you met these people? Like, like, they get up in the morning, and they believe God tells them whether they should eat Fruit Loops or Raisin Bran. They, this, these people over here, they don't go for the aesthetics and the accoutrements and the, the vibe and the atmosphere. They, they go because they believe God is going to speak to them, not only on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. They believe God is going to tell them where to park. They believe God is going to tell them what to wear to church. And maybe you're like that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just, I'm just pointing out there's two different groups. This group of people, they, they believe God. God will tell them whether or not they should go to a movie that day. And then when they go to a movie, they'll lean on God to tell them whether they should get popcorn or not. And these kinds of people, if you've met them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They, when they meet you, will let you know that God told them that they were going to meet you that day. And have you noticed, they quite often have a word for you. Have you met these people? They got a word from on high for you. And, and they believe God speaks to them about anything and everything, who I'm to date, who I'm to marry, whether I'm going to have children or not. If I'm going to have children, how many? Like God told us we thought we'd have three. <laughs> we ended up with five. <laughs> but there's two big groups of people. And and what I've come to conclude, what I've come to believe is that the truth lies somewhere in, here in the middle. <laughs> what up? <laughs> the, the sister just did that. The, the truth lies somewhere here in the mysterious balance between those who really, and, and sometimes they want it, but they don't feel like they ever hear a word from God. And those over here who feel like they hear words from God all the time, the truth, in my humble opinion, as I've walked with God now, going on 30 years I've been a Christian, and I've had the privilege and the awesome opportunity to meet lots of Christians, speak at a lot of churches and conferences and things like that. And I've come to believe that the truth lies right here mysteriously in between those two extremes. One, God never speaks to me, and one, God speaks to me all the time. And what I believe to be true and why I'm bringing this series to this church is I believe that if we can learn to live right here in the middle, right here in between those two extremes and learn that God speaks to his children 
And if we can learn to discern that wisely, come on now, faithfully, with responsibility, then we will be set up to be a church that even the gates of hell will not overcome. It, it, as I've been saying recently, it'll actually be a game changer for you and a game changer for me as a church and as an individual if we can actually learn to get this one right. So what I want to do in the beginning of this series is I want to give you a bold statement. I want to give you a what, church? I want to ask you a bold question. And I want to invite you to say a seven-word prayer with me. A bold statement, a bold question, and a bold prayer. And I want us to start this series, because this is where we're going for the next six weeks. I want us to start this series in this kind of way. If you're fired up to be here, and I can tell you're into this series, and you're fired up for this series, let me hear you say, bring it, Pastor. A bold statement. Write this in. Take out your teaching notes. Grab that New Hope pen in front of you. Yes, you can steal it in the name of Jesus. Take it home with you. Give it to somebody who needs God. Invite them to church. A bold statement. Learning to hear God's voice is the solution to thousands of problems I will face in my life. Did you hear me? I made it first person, hoping that it would really resonate deep within you today. Learning to hear God's voice is the solution to thousands of problems I will face and you will face in life. Now that should make you want to hear God's voice. Amen? And I know that's why you're here today. His voice answers my questions. Can I get an amen? His voice on a daily basis is my power. Can I get an amen? His voice offers me healing. His voice is my wisdom. His voice is my joy. His voice is my love. Have you ever heard this phrase before in the Bible? Whoever has ears, let them hear. You ever heard that? Whoever has ears, let them hear. Of course, if you've read the Bible at all, you've been in church, you've heard it. You know why you've heard it? Because it's six times in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and eight times in the book of Revelation. If you have ears, if the person has ears, let them listen, let them hear. It doesn't say if a person has a mouth, <laughs> let him speak. It says if you have ears, let him or her hear. A bold statement, again, Learning to hear God's voice is the, not one of, but the solution to a thousand problems you will face in your life. Here's a bold question. Is God's voice the loudest and clearest voice in my life? Write it down. Is God's voice the loudest and or clearest? Because sometimes it's not loud. Sometimes it's that still small voice. Right? The clearest voice in my life. Now, just let me let that hang in the air for a moment. If the answer to that question for you is no, it's okay, but we got a problem, don't we? And one of the reasons why we have a problem, and boy, we will talk about this in the series, is that there's so many competing voices going on. We're hearing so many voices, and they're all clamoring for our attention. 
But if God's voice is not the loudest and the clearest voice, there is a problem. And I'm surrounded by lots of people these days, and everybody wants their voice to be heard. But the problem is, so many people have so little to say. Like if you really want your voice to be heard, you got to first learn to listen to God's voice. <laughs> because then you'll have something worth hearing. You get it? It's, 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 it's incredibly important that you learn to hear God's voice first. So in a real way, this series is about God speaking to us, yes. But once you learn to listen to God's voice, it's about you. It's about you at our campuses. Therefore, then finding your own voice. Mark Batterson, who I'm a big fan of, said this recently in his newest book. Ultimately, all of us need to find our voice. And by voice, I mean the unique message God wants to speak through our lives. But finding our voice starts with what, church? With what? Hearing His voice. A bold statement, a bold question, now a bold prayer. It's only seven words. It's not original, it's not my prayer. It's actually a prayer that we see in the Bible. You remember Samuel, right? Samuel in the Bible. If you know your Bibles, and if you don't, let me just tell you the story. Samuel, young Samuel is ministering under the tutelage of Eli. Eli's older. Eli can't see hardly anymore. Eli's in one part sleeping, and, and Samuel is sleeping in another area where the ark of God was. Throughout the course of the night, God kept speaking to Samuel. Samuel kept hearing it, but Samuel thought it was Eli calling for him. Do you remember the story? Eli gets up, and every time Eli will, uh, Samuel gets up, he'll go to Eli and ask for an explanation. And, and Eli's like, any good dad. Eli's like, dude, go back to bed. Hush up and go to sleep. Eli goes back. God calls him again. Eli goes back. God calls him again. And finally... Finally, Eli says to Samuel, go back and listen. This must be of God. Samuel goes back. The Lord calls him again. And we see this prayer in Scripture. And I want to invite you to pray it with me on the front end of this series. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You feel the power of that? I'm asking you to sincerely pray that with me. In fact, I'm asking you to show up for the next six weeks with that prayer deep in your heart and on your lips. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Will you pray it with me now? Just out loud. Ready? Go. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Do you mean it? One more time, come on. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Come on, come on. Do you, do you have it put to memory yet? Close your eyes with me. Just close your eyes. Say it from the deepest depths of your soul, from your heart, from your mind. Speak, Lord. Come on. For your servant is listening. One more time. Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. Oh, God. That's our prayer in this series. 
God, move mightily in our midst and speak to us, we pray. Father, my heart cry over the last few months has been that you would use this series, Father God, to show your people that you want to have such a relationship with them that you want to speak directly to them. Sometimes through a pastor like me, yes, but a lot of times directly from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to do today is I want to walk you through exactly where we're going over the course of the next six weeks. If you study the scriptures and you study the history of the church and what we know about God, God has certain love languages. You have love languages. And God has certain consistent patterns that we see in the Bible and we see in history over and over and over, whereby in and through God speaks to his children. We're going to look at the six most popular, faithful, historically consistent ways in which, write it in, God, God what? God speaks. Six different ways. The first and foundational and most important way in which God speaks, I would dare say to you today, it's the way in which God ultimately confirms all other speaking that he does with his children. You'll see a place for you to write this in your notes. It's the pinnacle of scripture. The pinnacle of what, church? It's the pinnacle of scripture. So one week, today we're going to talk about a little bit about that, and then I'm going to try my best to get us all on the same page. But then we're going to continue to talk about various and sundry other ways in which God speaks. But what I need to say on the front end of this series is that God is always going to speak consistently against the authority of his word. What I mean by that is, and that's why I'm calling it the pinnacle of scripture, this book, Genesis through Revelation, the church has always believed, I definitely believe, is God's authoritative word, voice for God's people. If you believe it too, can I hear an amen? It is the authoritative word of God. Write this down. On all these other ways in which we're going to hear and learn that God speaks to us, God never speaks to us in a way that contradicts his word. Very, very important. This is, this is a kind of systematic hermeneutic, if you will, or a systematic biblical theology. But the top shelf, the most authoritative way is the pinnacle of Scripture. I'm going to move right on because I'll say a few words about that at the end. What's the first one, church? Scripture. The what? The pinnacle of Scripture. The second love language of God would be the presence, write it in, the presence of people. I got to tell you, I just love all the note-taking that's going on. It tells me you're a hungry church and you want to learn. It's the presence of what? People. God speaks through people. Now, you got to be careful with this one. you got to make sure you're listening to the right people. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, i got a word for you straight from God, and once they give it, you're like, you need to get thee behind me. 
Yo, 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 you ain't heard anything from me. All right? So people is really, really important, but you got to know who the people are. You got to make sure you're listening to godly people. You got to make sure you're listening to people who walk with God. You got to make sure you're listening to people who are grounded in what? Scripture. But let's not make a mistake about it. God speaks to us in and through people. And that means God wants to speak in and through you. And so what I find a lot of times when I talk about this subject is a lot of people make more excuses than actually realize that God wants to speak through them. Sometimes people make the excuse, well, that's not my personality. Can I just tell you that the moment you make such a claim that you don't want to hear from God or you don't want to speak on God's behalf or you don't want to act on God's behalf because your personality, that is the moment that your personality has you. Your personality owns you. You guys remember Jeremiah in the Bible, the prophet? He started making excuses. I can't speak for you, God. I'm too young. Let me tell you something, wherever you find yourself making excuses for either not hearing from God or not relaying what God has led you to say, the moment you do that is the moment you need to push pause and realize that's exactly where God wants to use you. Because where it might seem impossible to you, that's where God gets his greatest glory. God shows off, come on, in your weaknesses. Abraham was too old. Just think about the biblical grace. Abraham was too old. Moses was too criminal. Peter was too impulsive. James was too analytical. John was too emotional. Timothy was too timid. And Benji is almost all of those. <laughs> tell me your excuses. Come on, come on. And I'll tell you where God wants to use you. This is how God puts his grace on display. That's week two. We're going to go after that. You don't want to miss week two. Week three, we're actually going to talk about the purpose of pain. The purpose of what? Hey, let me, let, me tell you, um, let me tell you the best kept secret. Let me, let me let the cat out of the bag. That's the first time I've used cat on this stage in a positive way. <laughs> let me tell you a big secret. Everybody around you right now and the man sitting in front of you, we all have pain. You can put on a mask all you want, and you can be fooled by people who wear masks. But let me just tell you something. Nobody gets through this life unscathed with pain. It's everywhere. To live on planet Earth in this jacked-up, broken world is to experience pain. But what mistake we often make is that we don't realize that it is precisely in the pain that God wants to do a supernatural work in your life. It's precisely in the pain that God wants to speak to you. 
And here's the problem, though. Many of us, when we get wrapped up in our pain, we're not looking for what God wants to say to us. We're just simply saying, God, get me out of this pain. Right? And could it be that God doesn't remove the pain because we haven't heard what he's trying to teach us in the midst of the pain yet? Hello. So when you're in the pain, when I'm in the pain, let's stop saying, God, will you get me out of this pain? Or let's stop saying, oh, Lord, woe is me, you know, the Eeyore complex. But instead, let's start leaning in and saying, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to speak to me? What are you trying to communicate? Speak, Lord, <laughs> for your servant is listening. C.S. Lewis, the great C.S. Lewis, said this. One of my favorite quotes by him. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but God shouts to us in our pain. That's a great quote. Psalm 147.3. Come on, let me hear you loud at all the campuses. Come on, balcony people. Let me hear you loud up there. Ready? Go. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their God is near to the brokenhearted. And it is right there in the midst of your pain that God wants to speak a fresh, fresh word to you. Man, we're going to get that. Week four, we're going to look at, oh, I got someone going to tell you. This one's, a little, this one's a little mysterious to me. Write it in. What is it, church? On this week, we're actually going to talk about the potential of dreams. Now, notice I said potential. Because sometimes you have a dream and God ain't in it. Come on. <laughs> I do. This is why this one's a harder one for me. Show of hands at all of our campuses. How many of you are dreamers? Like you dream a lot. You dream, 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 dream. Come on. How many of you are kind of like me? You hardly ever dream. How many of you are kind of like me, and when you do, it's weird? Like, weird. That doesn't negate the fact, though, if you're in that group with me. It doesn't negate the fact or change the fact that in the Bible, throughout the Bible, God speaks to people in their dreams. And by the way, again, this is where you want to run to Scripture because if, you, if you get up and say, God told me to do X or God told me to tell you to do X and it contradicts Scripture, that wasn't of God. That was the pizza you ate last night. <laughs> you got to keep running back to Scripture, running back to godly people. But again, make no mistake about it, God speaks to us in our dreams. And doesn't it make sense? I mean, if we sleep eight hours, I mean, who gets eight hours? Maybe a lot of you do. But if we sleep around eight hours a night, you know, a third of our lives are spent sleeping. It makes great sense, does it not? That God would speak to us in the midst of our dreams. On this Sunday, we're probably, if you don't mind, we're probably going to take and examine a little neuroanatomy, if you will. Being a pharmacy major like I was in undergrad, loving science like I do even to this day, I actually find that science is fascinating. 
I find that science is miraculous, far under God, of course, but I believe God is all wrapped up in science. Can I get an amen from the scientifically minded people? I'm so sick and tired of the church poo-pooing science and science poo-pooing the church. Let me tell you something. Science is awesome. Science will only take you so far and then there's God. I don't, I don't find them diametrically opposed to one another. I actually find them working in tandem together. And so on that Sunday, we might, we might look at some neuroanatomy. We might, we might hunker down and, and think about the brain for just a moment. There's nothing more fascinating to me than that three pounds of gray matter that is housed in your skull right now a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere that kind of serves as dual processors in your brain right now. You got the, the left brain locus of logic and you got the right brain locus of imagination. That's fascinating to me. And we're learning lots of different things about the power of the brain and how God might just be moving in the midst of our dreams. I'm excited about week five and then week six we're going to talk about the possibility of desire the possibility of what church desire did i miss one see what i just did i'm like whoa baby oh okay let me go back real quick i'm like dude that's that's only five up there if dreams is the most mysterious one to me that I, I have a hard time kind of wrapping my mind around, my favorite one, my favorite by far is promptings. Is what, church? Promptings. In your notes, I put it, the power of promptings. This one is huge for me. I love this one. I love it because it's the primary way in which God speaks to me. You might call it the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have heard that before. Maturing in the Christian faith to a point where you actually learn to listen to the Holy Spirit nudges that you get throughout your day. Um, I've often referred to it as opened doors and closed doors. God will open doors for God's people if they learn to look for those open doors. And I don't know about you, but I dare say that we would fall into a deep, I don't know, despair today if we could actually see all of the blessings we left on the tables of our lives because we didn't walk through open doors. Wow. It saddens me to think about what I might have left untapped, the blessings of God, the favor of God, the anointing of God that might have fallen on my life if I had followed more promptings, more Holy Spirit nudges. But I will tell you, I love, love this one. I could keep you here all day today and every day this week telling you of the times in which we followed the nudges of God in 16 years of this church. And, this church. and when we followed the nudge, the promptings of God, Blessings and favor have been on the other side. I love that. Listen, when God prompts you to pray, you better pray. 
when God prompts you to serve. You better serve in the shadow of Jesus Christ, the ultimate servant. When God prompts you to give, you better give like the one who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Man, we're going to hunker down and go after promptings. And again, it's one of my favorites. And then the last one I've already put up here, it's desires or desire. It's the possibility of desires. Notice I said possibility because, again, like the, the dreams that you have, sometimes your desires are of God and sometimes they are not. Can I get an amen? But the problem with that is because that is the case, many of us stiff-arm desires. We're like, we don't pay attention to our deepest desires. We don't pay attention to our passions because we assume, erroneously so, that they're all bad. If you are a Christian, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God has been planted inside your life. The Bible says that God has infused the Holy Spirit into your heart, into your soul, into your mind. And as you walk with God and as you start to mature, God starts to sanctify your desires. And then your desires are of God and therefore you should listen to those deep deep yearnings that you have on a regular basis. Young person, maybe you're sitting here today and you have a desire to be used by God. Don't ignore that. That could be God Almighty calling you right now into the ministry. You might be sitting here today and you have a desire to go back to school. But you have not mustered up the courage yet to Walk through that open door. This is the possibility of desire. Psalm 37, 4. Out loud, will you read it with me? Come on. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. One more time, like it's the word of God. Ready? Go. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, my Lord, I know you love this verse. We all love this verse. This is like a Hallmark verse. This is a coffee mug verse. But let me show you there's more to it. But let's read it out loud first. Ready, go. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as... Come on, help me out, church. But seek what? First his what? And his... And all these things will be given to you. Now, listen, listen, listen. Of course, this is Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. We love it. Like I said, it's a, it's a kind of an encouraging verse. But do you know that in this verse, Jesus reveals a supernatural sequence that is inviolable? What I mean by that is, listen closely, this is a verse of Scripture that has a supernatural sequence that you cannot violate. And yet that's the problem with this verse. Many of us try to violate it. Here's how we try to violate it. We want the things of this world. We want this or we want that. We read that verse and we're like, oh, the way I get that is to seek God. Doesn't work that way. There is a supernatural sequence that you and I 
must follow. We must do what, church? We must seek God first. His kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added. You can't seek God second, third, fourth, or fifth and expect him to give you the desires of your heart. You have to seek him when? First. Seeking God first is delighting yourself in the Lord. Can I get an amen? Seeking God first is giving him the first word and the middle word and the last word. Can I get an amen? Seeking God first is giving him the first fruits as we honor him with our tithe. Can I get an amen? Seeking God, that one wasn't nearly as firm as the others. <laughs> Seeking God first is making sure his voice is the loudest and the clearest in our lives. But here's the key thing you need to know. God speaks to his children. If you've experienced that, let me see a show of hands at all the campuses. God, God speaks. Now, see, a lot didn't, and that's okay. That's why I'm so excited about this series. I believe that in six weeks, you're going to feel like you have, you have increased your frequency, if you will. You are dialed into a different frequency, and God is now speaking to you. God still speaks to his people. Moreover, God wants to speak to you first and then speak through you. I don't know if you know this verse, but like I take great comfort in this verse. There's this little mysterious passage in the Old Testament, book of Numbers. And, and, and God speaks through Balaam's ass. Do you know this? Yeah, y'all know that. A lot of y'all know that. Speaks through Balaam's ass. I just said ass twice in church. Which actually means I just said it three times. It's the only way I can say ass in church with integrity. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this verse, but like I've always appreciated this verse because I take great comfort and delight in the fact that if God could speak through an ass, I guess that's five times. He can speak through me. I think that's the message. And he can speak through you. Now today, as we wrap up, I want to talk to you ever so briefly about this right here. The pinnacle of scripture. I want to wrap up and talk to you today about this book we call the Bible. If you don't have one, we give them away free at our churches. And the reason we do that is because it is the primary vehicle through which God speaks. The first thing that makes the Bible unique, write it in, is that it is a living, active book. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is what, church? God breathed 
and is useful for teaching. Let's continue. Rebuking, correcting, and what? Training in righteousness. Listen to me. We don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. It's living. It's active. Most of you know I love books. I I love to read. There's no book like the Bible. It's living. It's active. And when we read Scripture, we are inhaling what the Holy Spirit exhaled thousands of years ago. The Bible, we believe, I firmly believe, is the inspired Word of God. The second thing that makes the Bible unique is that it is timeless and timely. It's timeless it's timely. It's where reverence meets relevance. It's always relevant for my life. Charles Spurgeon said this, the great Charles Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Come on now. So I want to invite you to do something. Seriously. I want to invite you to join me on a journey. Everybody get one of these? Hopefully you got one when you came in. Come on, take it out. Take it out. Swing it around. It's warm up here under these lights. Give me some wind blowing in this place. Come on. Did you know that you can read the Bible, the New Testament, in 40 days without doing a ton of reading? You, in other words, you can do this. Open this up, and on the left-hand side, you'll see like a little letter from me, but on the right side, look at this page right here. Everybody look at this. I want to invite you to join me in reading through the New Testament over the course of the next 40 days. That's during the series, God Speaks. Look at that. Let your eyes just fall. You can do this. I I can do this. I'm going to do this, and I'm inviting you to join me. Some of you have read through the New Testament before. Some of you maybe have not read through the New Testament before. But can you just imagine with me today what could happen if God were to speak to us and we were to lean into the pinnacle of Scripture, maybe like never before over a 40-day period? Could you just imagine? What do you say? Will you join me? I like it. Because here's what you need to know. If you aren't living your life in this book, you are living your life in darkness. And don't take that too far. I'm not saying you're dark. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that. But, But you might be unsaved here, and I'm glad you're here. But seriously, stick with me here for a moment. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, says, thy word, thy word is a what, church? Is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my what? Path. If you're not in this word, all this other stuff falls apart. So what do you say we start with the most important thing? And if you're not in this word and living according to this word, you're walking around. And what the the psalmist is trying to get us to understand is it's like we're walking around in the dark and we don't have a light. And that doesn't happen much anymore because we all have our telephones on, which is awesome, right? We grab and we throw on the, uh, the flashlight. 
But do you remember when you don't have that? Or maybe you remember a time where you were wandering around in the darkness? I, I, had, I had an image come to me last night. We're going to end today with this. Um, I'm going to take you back. I'm, I'm going to take you way back. Like, I, I was a child of the 80s, man. And, and I grew up with Michael Jackson. Thank God. Thank God. I'm talking like parachute pants and all, man. And like if you're a young person here and you, you, like, you, don't, you don't know about Michael Jackson, I'm really sorry. It, it really stinks to be you. Um, <laughs> Michael Jackson, the year was 1983. Do you remember, come on, those of you who are with, you remember the Billie Jean video? Oh, if you can see the smiles on your faces right now. Remember Billie Jean video? He's talking about his eyes like mine, and he's dancing. And he, he's, you remember, remember how he, he would have to, to, to step on, on, and every time wherever he put his foot, you remember what happened? Oh, you did see it. It lit up. Hey, you want to see it? I knew you would. I knew you would. I got it ready for you. I could show you just 20 seconds, but we're going a whole 35 seconds. Come on, get you some of this right here. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch this right here. Watch this. Woo! What you talking about? Now, you, now, you, now you're wondering, what, what you going to do with that, Pastor? Here's what I'm going to do with that. I had, I had this image last night, 11 o'clock at night. I sent it to our productions people. I'm like, can you, can you grab this video? Thy word, come on, is a lamb unto my feet and a light to my path. I watched a documentary one time on Michael Jackson. Not last night, but I watched it one time and I remembered it last night. The producer of the video said they had the hardest time with Michael Jackson in this video. Because Mike, I mean, Michael Jackson, man, he was Michael Jackson. He danced where he wanted to dance and how he wanted to dance. But the producer of the video pulled Michael Jackson aside because he kept failing that. He's like, Michael, we know you are Michael Jackson and we know you can dance like no other. And we know you can dance all over this studio, Michael. But Michael, if you don't practice discipline and step where you're supposed to step so that we can light up that square underneath you, this video is going to fail miserably. So they finally reeled old Michael Jackson in and he got it right. Thy word. Thy pinnacle of Scripture is a lamp unto your feet. It's a light unto your path. If you want to walk in the ways of God, if you want to have your paths illuminated, then get into this book. If you want to just keep floundering around in darkness, 
Forget the book. But I think I know you well enough to know that you're here because you want to walk in the light. So I want to invite you today, like in this holy moment right here, to commit to walking in the word of the Lord and particularly to join me during this series. It's about 40 days. Let's read through the New Testament together. I got a nudge. No, 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 that's okay. Hold that for me. I got a nudging. I got a nudging. This, this is not in your teaching notes. Bear with me for just a moment, but I want to I just lead you a little bit. Write, write down the word soap. Write down the word soap. The staff team started doing this about six months ago. It's powerful for our church. Because you're going to sit down, you're going to be with these verses of Scripture, and some of you are not really going to know where to start. Let me just give you a guide, okay? I'm going to make this super fast. S-O-A-P, you can remember it. The Word of God is like soap. It will clean you. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's what you do. You start with the Scripture. The Scripture's right here. Just follow along with me. Follow along with me. As you read those Scriptures for that day, oh, write down your observations. Just all the observations that are coming to you as you read the Bible, just write them down. Get a journal, or if you're not into journals, just, just underline them in the Bible or use the margins. You can write in the margins of your Bible. Write down observations. A, what do you think A stands for? Somebody said it, application. Application. The biggest mistake we make when we, when we engage the pinnacle of Scripture is we read it, but we don't apply it. What if when we read Scripture, we made sure that we applied it before we read any more Scripture? Hello. Scripture. O, observation. A, application. P, when you're done, pray. Just pray. Talk to God. And you don't have to come out with this fancy, formal, like, you know... Oh, thou holy, sanctified, <laughs> almighty God of heaven, I beseech thee not. <laughs> Just talk to God, man. Hey, God, it's Benji. <laughs> He's sovereign. He already knows that, but hey, share your heart. Just talk to him. And then be quiet enough to listen to him. And as you do, and as we camp out on people, pain, dreams, desire, and promptings, I just believe by faith that by the time six weeks rolls around, we're going to be hearing God a lot better than maybe we're hearing him right now. May it be so. Will you pray with me? Like, seriously pray with me right now as we Start to wrap up the celebration. Father, in the same way that we read scripture sometimes and we, we don't apply it, sometimes we hear sermons and we don't apply them. And God, I just feel led to invite those that are listening in today, Lord, and hearing your voice speak, hopefully through me and hearing your voice speak in the word. 
I'm going to give you a moment to apply this. If you're here today and you felt the Holy Spirit prompting you and nudging you to actually join me in reading through the New Testament over the course of the next 40 days, without any further ado, I'm just going to ask you to, to do a bold thing. I'm going to just raise your hand right where you are. Just lift it up. Just raise your hand if you'll read through the New Testament with me. Wow. Raise them up high. Balcony all over. Wow. Oh, praise God. Hold them up high. I want to pray for you as your hands are lifted. Father, I'm so grateful for new hope. And grateful that these people love you and they desire to hear from you. Father, would you give us great boldness? Would you give us great discipline? If we have to get up early, if we have to use our lunch break, if we have to do it before we go to bed, God, whatever the case may be, would you be with our church as we read through the New Testament, Matthew to Revelation, over the course of the next 40 days. And God, we are here declaring to you on the front end, and hopefully we'll pray it every Sunday, speak. For your servants are listening. I thank you for the commitments that are made all over this place and throughout the movement today. Go ahead and put your hands down. Heads bowed. If you're here today, though, and you don't know Christ, we're so glad you're here. And if you don't know Christ, God's not going to speak to you in the same way that he would know you if you are a child of his. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. What God desires more than anything, you can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it is one consistent theme of God desiring a relationship with you through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you just desire that relationship and you want to get that right before you engage in the Word of God with us in this series. If you want to be a Christian today, we want to give you a chance to do that. On the count of three, we're going to ask you to pop your hands up in the air. Raising your hands does not save you, but it is a powerful gesture between you and God that declares, God, I want to receive you today as my Lord and Savior, and I want to hear your voice in my life through this series. One, God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Two, Jesus died on a bloodstained cross called Calvary. And three, he rose from the dead to forgive you of your sins, communicate to you throughout your life, and receive you into heaven forever. Just lift your hands up right now where you are. Just raise it up. Praise God, I see, praise God, lift them up high, hold them up. I see you, five or six over here, wow. Quite a few in this, I see you in the back, ma'am. Balcony, you're included in this, yeah, I see, yeah, praise God. Hold them up high, hold them up high. Pray, church, just pray for these folks, just pray. There's hands all over this place. Pray for you folks over here, I see you in the back, I see you up front over here. If that's you, just say, Lord Jesus, I receive you today. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I need you to be my Savior. And I deeply desire to hear your voice in this series. Speak to me. I am listening. 
Help me follow you all the days of my life. Together, Lord God, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.